The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox here. Unfortunately, Will Brinson is not with us today, but we are joined by our Pick Show squad, Alex Selznick, a.k.a. Prop Stars, and Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, two of the titans from Sportsline.com. This episode of Pick 6 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. On the last episode, the Super Friends went through the Week 10 NFL season. Actually, the NFL season through Week 10. Breach Wilson and Brinson discussed the five walk-off games, uh, winning field goals, and how C.J. Stroud is having the best rookie season of all time. If you want to catch up on that, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can also catch it uh, audio wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to hit subscribe um, so that you don't miss another episode. Okay, it is time to look at the early lines and leans for week 11 of the NFL. Emery and uh, prop stars. Wow, right? What a what a weekend we had just looking at some of these trends um, in the betting world dogs six and six against the spread away teams six and six against the spread away dogs three and three against the spread overs eight and four any big takeaways Emery uh, from week 10 of the NFL for you? None. You really just had people. You had a couple of teams coming off buys, a couple of teams on buys. Um, and we have reached a part of the season where it's now a battle of attrition. You know, how good is your depth chart will determine how far you go this season. Prop stars, any thoughts from you? Yeah, as far as prop standpoint, nothing particularly stood out. Obviously, some tremendous performances individually. I still feel like, uh, you know, kind of. There's still some edges to be had when we when we look at players 
whose roles weren't maybe clearly defined leading into the week that's typically going to be for a younger player or for an inexperienced player. Trey McBride's been a great example yes. uh, for the Cardinals. I know he's on your fantasy team, Katie, so I'm sure he helped you win there. But, yeah, yeah having tremendous, tremendous results there really looks comfortable with Kyler Murray. Had an absolutely monster game. So kind of finding those opportunities uh, are, are where the majority of my focus is right now as far as props go. Yeah, I feel like we're at the point of the season when, unfortunately, you know, injuries are happening a little bit more frequently. So it's like, who's going to step up? Where can you find, especially for DFS, right? Some of those cheap punt price players, which Trey McBride has been a fun one. He was like a punt price a couple weeks ago. And then, you know, Clayton Toon didn't really use him very much last week. So he dipped back down to be like 3,500. So that was a fun play for me yesterday. Yeah. I would say, Katie, as well, for the listeners who are playing fantasy or DFS, uh, as long as Kyler Murray is playing quarterback, Trey McBride will be yes. a top six tight end, in my opinion. So really yeah. awesome to see. It looks phenomenal. The athleticism, the explosiveness adds a great element to that Cardinals offense. All right, guys, let's start uh, looking into week 11 now, starting with Thursday night football. This is a fun one. Finally, on Thursday night, the Bengals at the Ravens. This line is three and a half favoring the Ravens uh, right now. This total at is that 45 and a half. Yep, 45 and a half. Both the Bengals and the Ravens uh, lost this weekend, which made the AFC North race a little bit more interesting, certainly tighter before week 10. All four teams were positioned to make the playoffs. That is no longer the case. The Bengals ended a four-game winning streak, beat out by C.J. Stroud and the Texans as five-and-a-half-point favorites. They're now in last place of the division, which is just so funny because we've been talking about how dominant this team is, and now they're actually out of the playoff picture as it stands right now. I don't expect that to continue. Ravens still uh, atop the standings, just one game ahead of the Steelers and the Browns. As far as injuries, Cincy likely without their top two edge rushers Thursday night, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. Baltimore without left tackle, Ronnie Staley. Uh, Marlon Humphrey appears to have an Achilles strain, so he is day to day. From a scouting standpoint, what are you looking for in this game, Emery? I feel like the Ravens could be under Lamar Jackson 105-0 and 0 if they finish games, right? That's where they struggle. They have big leads the last in ballgames. Yeah, and they'll, they'll just, like, lose the lead in a weird way like they had complete control of that browns game and lost that lead we saw that last year with the miami dolphins they were blowing the dolphins out only to allow them to come back and ultimately win the game so the biggest question is can they finish games but on the flip side can the Bengals ever get up to a great start i feel like they start games so slow and then they play catch up and they're they're fun. against the niners <laughs> right they're, they're a fun fast break team and yeah. then they're able, to, they're, they're able to have success. So this will be a fun game back and forth. The over is the play here. Um, I don't think either one of these teams you can trust enough to say either way, uh, you know, spread or just pick them straight up. But the over with how both teams tend to play chaotic ball in primetime fashion, I say this one will be in the 50s. You're going over on a Thursday night in a primetime game. Unders have been historically hitting. Well, because we've had bad teams. And so now we have two good teams. Right. And you touched on it in the open in your, your your prelude, talking about Ronnie Stanley being out left tackle yep. and also the two starting defensive ends. So that tells me from a Baltimore standpoint, offense is going to have some success. They have some explosive playmakers and the prop stars going to get into. Uh, then I'll jump back in after that because I got to, you know, talk some trash to some people. And then also, you <laughs> missed Marlon Humphrey and him being banged up. Bengals. 
Jamar Chase, excellent. Now, Tyler Boyd, he's looking for a bounce back game after that drop he had in the end zone. This is going to be a fun one. We got a great, yeah, what could be a, a playoff preview, yeah. uh, with how the playoff position may shake out. I, I still I will get to it, but I, I, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Props, yeah, you're into a uh, Keaton Mitchell right now. I am. And again, I got to tip the cap to my guy, Emery here. Emery was talking about Keaton Mitchell uh, long before he debuted in the NFL. And he has certainly added uh, some explosiveness and speed to this Ravens backfield. Reminds me a little bit of a thunder and lightning with him and Gus Edwards. Edwards being able to pick up the short yardage, uh, you know, and really being utilized in the red zone and the green zone. Uh, But yeah, Keaton Mitchell showed off that explosiveness and speed his first touch. 30-plus yard touchdown. Kind of reminds me of Devon A-Chain a little bit as well as far as his effectiveness is concerned and an ability just to make big plays on limited touches. I think he's going to continue to get work. How much work might be tough. It might be frustrating, uh, you know, just being there's only so many touches available in that Ravens backfield because we obviously know Lamar Jackson's running the football. Gus Edwards, I don't think he's going to uh, lose out on work. It's Justice Hill who I would imagine would be the most at risk here. Uh, and obviously are airing the ball out at a high rate as well. So, uh, yeah, nice to see this new element or this new fabric to this Ravens offense. I agree with Emery. Uh, They are just not able to close out games here. It's tough to watch, but from an offensive standpoint, from a prop standpoint, uh, I've been very impressed. As far as the Bengals are concerned, uh, it would be nice if T. Higgins can get back on the field. Joe Burrow still had a fairly solid day. Without him, we saw Trenton Irwin step up. If you're a Sportsline subscriber, that was a guy that I put out on the site. Managed to get there on the first drive with a 32-yard touchdown reception. But Joe Burrow is locked in right now. I'm with Emery. I think this game has shootout written all over it. I think the over is a very sharp play as well. Here's the thing. Folks all throughout the draft process was like, Clowning my top five running back rankings that had Jameer Gibbs, B. John Robinson, Deuce Vaughn, Tajay Spears, and number five was Keith Mitchell. Oh, Emory, he's only 5'9", 179 pounds. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, smooth brain scholars and smart dummy something. You can't hit what you can't catch. You can't hurt what you can't touch. What if I tell you or told you you have to catch someone to hurt them, and he doesn't need 25 carries to do what Gus Edwards does. He only needs three to score two touchdowns or have three chunk plays. So for me, it's always about the explosive play. Lamar never played with a back as explosive. So when you pair a mobile quarterback with an explosive talent at tailback, you're going to get things like this that we're seeing from Keith Mitchell. So all of that being said, wrapped in a nice little bright Robin Egg, Blue Tiffany box. Trust what I'm saying, folks, when it comes to these draft things and these draft prospects. Yeah, Move I mean, on. you're you're traveling all around North America uh, scouting these guys. So certainly, and get yourself the football game plan comes out every single year, huh? Yeah. That's best. One of the best scouting reports. There are footballgameplan.com. All right, let's move on to the next game. Chargers laying three at the Packers. This total total 43 and a half. Let's see if there's been any line movement here. Nope. Staying the same. Both teams. Looking for a bounce back. The pack loss to the Steelers and the Chargers to the Lions, both as three-point underdogs. Uh, and pretty much the game's closed in and around those numbers. Packers had two costly turnovers. Uh, they weren't great in the red zone yesterday. And the Chargers coughed up 533 total yards 
uh, yesterday. Keenan Allen appeared to have injured his shoulder, uh, converting that fourth third down, but uh, he walked off and then he came back and then he still balled out in the game. This may be one where you root for some bad weather to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, but Emery, how are you feeling about this game? Packers got to find consistency at receiver in terms of catching the ball. Like they had so many bad drops, and these are drops that are hitting guys is in the uh, hitting them in the hands, um, and it took away some opportunities to uh, beat Pittsburgh. And they got jobbed a little bit on some of these fluky calls. Like that was a lateral, in my opinion, um, from Kenny Pickett to Warren in the tailback coming out the backfield. The ball clearly goes backwards, but the ref said. It was an incomplete pass. That was a huge play in that ball game. But these receivers steadily dropped key passes at crucial points. And on the other side, the Chargers, you know, Justin Herbert started to connect finally on those throws that he was missing to Keenan Allen. Now, he missed a few early in the game, but they started to find the rhythm and he started to connect on those things. And that's when Keenan Allen really started to get uh, going. And I thought this was a very good game by the Chargers. Um offense as opposed to their defense obviously and that this was the game we could blame the defense in terms of giving up big plays because they just couldn't stop Detroit but in this ball game against uh, the Green Bay Packers I feel like they have a chance to really do what they did against the Jets so if anything I probably would lean under um, as a, and also lean toward the Chargers in this ball game because I can't yeah. trust Green Bay in terms of throwing the ball Prop stars, how do you evaluate Jordan Love, um, you know, just from a player prop or player perspective this year? Yeah, tough to watch Jordan Love at times. He obviously is capable of making some big throws, but just really struggles with consistency, struggles in the short and intermediate uh, parts of the field as well. Uh, it's been frustrating. guy like Christian Watson, very high on him coming into the year. Last year, Christian Watson was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, especially if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics. Uh, yeah, it just hasn't really carried over this year. I know he dealt with some injuries early on, but I really don't feel like Jordan Love is uh, doing these Packers wide receivers very many favors. I do agree that they need to step up here, though, as well. So Green Bay's offense as a whole uh, is just tough to watch. Uh, as far as this matchup is concerned, I have a lot more faith, a lot more confidence in the Chargers. I was actually impressed despite the loss to Detroit. They were trailing by double digits early in the game. Detroit kept answering back, and I agree with them. It was the defense that really let the Chargers down. The Chargers' defense had been playing well coming leading up into this game there as well. I think they can have success against Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, uh, really impressed me. Keenan Allen's individual performances was one of the best by a wide receiver I have seen ah. this year. Truly remarkable. It was really actually awesome to watch Amon Ross St. Brown when Detroit had the football going back and forth. These guys are both excellent, excellent route runners. And uh, it was almost like watching a young Keenan Allen uh, watching Amon Ross St. Brown for Detroit. Uh, so, yeah, I like the Chargers here. I like their side. I have more confidence both in the Chargers offense. I actually think this is a bounce back spot for the Chargers defense, who leading up to the last game against Detroit had been pointed in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a, a clear under game. I was clearly wrong. when that, After, what, the first seven minutes of the game, I was like, yeah, that under is definitely not about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> about to keep scoring. So, yeah. uh, that was probably the most entertaining game to watch yes. yesterday. But, man, that defense uh, really just had no answer on either side. Both running backs went off. Every receiver for Detroit went off. It was just a terrible defensive game uh, for uh, Detroit. I mean, for, for uh, the Chargers. Well, well, 
We're, we're, well, I don't, uh, we're not talking about this quite yet, but how about Jared Goff? I felt like Jared Goff had a great game um, yesterday, and I think he gets kind of a lot of disrespect. I know it was in a dome, um, but normally he doesn't play that well on the road, but I thought it was a great performance from Goff as well. I would absolutely agree, uh, Katie. I think playing with a lead, uh, yeah, really benefits Goff. I just think this offense is tailored uh, around his strengths. They've done a really good job uh, sort of, of finding what works for Jared Goff, what he excels at, uh, and really just implementing them and highlighting those things. But, yeah, this Detroit offense just with both backs, seeing Jameer Gibbs, uh, seeing David Montgomery back healthy, seeing them both utilize was certainly a great sign. Uh, I agree with Emery as far as Gibbs is concerned. One of the more talented running backs I've ever seen. Uh, so, yeah, seeing him be involved with Montgomery, definitely a good look for Detroit. Their offense, uh, the offensive line is excellent as well. Uh, so, yeah, they are tough to spot. It's tough to stop. And I will also say that, again, this Chargers defense leading up into this game had been very stout against the run. Just shows you how impressive uh, this Detroit offense really was yesterday. Yeah, we'll get into Detroit a little bit later, but let's move on to the next game here. Titans at the Jags. Jags laying six. This total 40 and a half line has moved to six and a half. So almost a touchdown there for the Jags. I mean, let me just let me just take a little sip out of my 49ers. Mm. Cup here. Tough, tough loss for the Jags. Uh, the Niners defense absolutely stifled them. Uh, Trevor Lawrence couldn't really get anything going, but the Titans also coming off a 20 to six loss to the Bucks. Will Levis, I think, was humbled a little bit. His first two games starting out, he looked pretty good, but he just couldn't get anything done. The Titans offense as a whole generating only 209 total yards. Um, Jacksonville has won the most or the second or has won the two most, excuse me, has won the two most recent matchups against the Titans, uh, while the underdog in these matchups are 2-0 and in the previous games. Um, I'll start with you, Prop Stars. Any props that you're looking at, and then I'll get to the scouting report from Emory. Yeah, uh, so this is an interesting matchup to me for me as well. Uh, both of these defenses tend to be pass funnels. What I mean by that, they're both fairly stout against the run. As a result, the opponents are choosing to attack them uh, through the air. So I do think this game could feature an uptick in passing volume. I agree. I'm more comfortable here uh, backing Jacksonville. I know they got absolutely obliterated by your 49ers, Katie. Uh, but I think this is a spot where they can bounce back. I think they can attack this Titans defense. I look for guys like Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley uh, to make potentially big impacts. feel more confident back in Christian Kirk at this point. It's clear that he is Trevor Lawrence's number one target, uh, especially if we're looking. Uh, he's getting peppered with targets near the line of scrimmage. I think that translates well if we're looking at his potentially volume-based plays, like his receptions line. So that's sort of what I have my eyes on as far as backing Jacksonville's offensive players are concerned. And Emery, Jacksonville's defense has been one of the best defenses in the NFL. They came, you know, kind of a down game for them, obviously, in this last game. If you look at where both teams coming off of a bye, both the Niners and the Jags, the Niners really needed a bye because they needed to reset. And I feel like for the Jags, they had all of this momentum. So maybe taking a break right there wasn't the best thing. But do you expect a defensive bounce back here? If I'm the defense of the Jaguars, I am spending the week on the jugs machine because Will Levis will give you at least eight opportunities to catch interceptions. <laughs> he throws some of the worst passes in a ball game. And we saw Tampa Bay finally catch one when he got hit and the ball kind of flew up like a space bomb. But my goodness, you go back to Pittsburgh. We talked about that last show where he threw five intercepts on that last drive, but they finally caught the one to end the game. 
He's going to put the ball in your hands. You just got to catch it. But this game screams bounce back. This is like when the big bully is joking with you and you take it out on the nine threat. Like, what you laughing at over there, right? This is what's going to happen to the Titans. The Titans are going to be that person, that nine threat, and Jacksonville's going to open up a whole can here because now they have to keep pace with the Houston Texans in that division. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Eileen Jags on this one as well. Looking at this total 40 and a half. I mean, it's it's low. You say it. What are you saying? I was just going to add uh, real quick, Katie. As far as Will Levis and some of the issues he's having, he can make some truly remarkable throws at times. But, yeah, just really struggling with consistency, really struggling in the short and intermediate, having touch on the football. As a result, I just don't have a lot of confidence in Tennessee being able to really sustain drives. That's what we saw against the Bucks. The Bucks, a team that's you know doesn't really have much of a run game, have some of the same problems uh, that the Titans offense do, but they dominated possession in that game, I really think Jacksonville can do the same thing against them just because of Levis's inability to really, uh, you know, be accurate in the short and intermediate parts of the field. It's just going to be hard for them to sustain drives. Uh, another team that's going to be hard for them to sustain drives, the Raiders taking on the Dolphins. Dolphins laying 10 and a half right now. That number has stayed there. This total 47 and a half. Look, I know that I am a longstanding Jimmy Garoppolo apologist, but I do not believe after what we saw last night that Aiden O'Connell is necessarily better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, I know that Jimmy leads the league in interceptions when he's missed a few games there. But if you look at his other metrics, they're not that bad. Yes, they still pulled off the win last night against the Jets, but that was because Zach Wilson is just as inept um, as Aiden O'Connell is. Curious what you think, Emery, about this situation. Obviously, when they came off and they beat the Giants, everyone was excited, smoking cigars, dancing. Um, I don't know that this was that great of a win. Do you think that Aiden O'Connell is their best chance at winning? Oh, wow. That's a great question. You know, because with Jimmy G, you get interceptions right yeah and you don't get the consistency um with Aiden O'Connell you don't get the athleticism that Jimmy G has so you kind of can get off uh your, your you can get your blitzes off on him because he's not going to be the one to move out the way um so it's tough it's it's a tough predic- predicament to be in if you're the Raiders but if you're Miami this is a matchup where you got to make sure you don't press because it's Easy to say, oh, we're going to come in here. We're going to just try to blow this team out. That's where you get into trouble or where you get into trouble. So it'll be interesting to see how Mike McDaniel is able to, you know, rein things in, play with a little bit, you know, of controlled aggressiveness, not just to totally go after Aiden O'Connell, not to just try to bomb everybody deep down the field. They're also going to be without Amik Robertson, I believe. He took a nasty hit uh, in that ball game. So, you know, I would lean under. Because it will be all dolphin scoring. But I would definitely I'd, I'd go ahead and lay this ten and a half, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'll lay the ten and a half and also pair it with the under. Yeah. Oh, and HN. HN, thank God my fantasy team needs him. He's been, oh my God, I'm so excited for him to come back. What do you think in props? Yeah, I'm with you, Katie. Uh, the Miami struggled running the ball, frankly, without HN in the lineup. Prior to HN going down, this was the number one running team in pretty much every single possible metric that exists. With, by and large part because A-Chan had been the best running back in the NFL 
uh, prior to his injury. So I think it's obviously great timing for him to come back. I'd also lay the 10 and a half here. We've seen consistently with Miami this year when they're playing inferior opposition, uh, they absolutely smoke them. It's when they play good teams uh, is when they tend to struggle. Uh, but yeah, against teams they should beat, they don't only beat, they beat handily. So I like Miami to absolutely roll on this Raiders team. I'm comfortable taking the points despite them being double digits here. You know, we don't have Brinson on today, so we have a little bit of extra time. Harry, you want to pop on and talk about this game for a sec? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, yeah, so I think that uh, one of the things that had been holding the Dolphins back in their games had been health along the offensive line. And I know today isn't a real practice, and it's the first one off the bye, but Robert Hunt did not participate. He was off to the side. He's their uh, Pro Bowl caliber uh, right guard. And of course, they're, yep, and a raging Cajun. Emery is <laughs> making sure I point out. Um, and then on the left side of their offensive line, their uh, guard, uh, Isaiah Wynn, obviously was out. He's on the IR. He's not coming back yet. Uh, they also lost Rob Jones on that side, too. Mm. So I think another problem with the run game that's been happening recently is just the offensive line's been in a state of absolute chaos. That being said, with the bye week to prepare against the you know the Raiders, I think they can get it going. I think Achan's gonna. I think he's gonna do what he normally does, which is take very pedestrian-looking lanes and turn them into touchdowns. <laughs> and I think Raheem Mostert, uh, who is a little bit banged up, ankles and and, and wrists and stuff, I think he's gonna uh, come back hard. And I think uh, the Dolphins might try to prove a point and score basically only on. Great. So lay the 10 and a half is uh, one from everybody here. All right. Thanks so much, Harry, for joining us for a second. Moving on to the next game. Cowboys uh, also laying 10 and a half. We'll see if that line has changed this total 41 and a half versus the Panthers. Yes, we are still at this line. Cowboys absolutely embarrassed. Tommy DeVito and the Giants, 49 to 7. I was surprised the Giants put up 17, to be honest. I was actually shocked they were able to get 17. But they still didn't score as much as the spread was, which ended at 17 and a half. This is one where we talked about it on the Monday odds show. And then on the Thursday show, it opened up at 15 and a half. We're like, this is one of those ones get now because it's probably going to go up. Um, and that, of course, ended up happening. Carolina, 1 and 8 um, on the year. And they're already looking probably towards next season um emory what is the what is the best path for the panthers offense right now you draft a kid number one overall because you like his cerebral approach and big brain and all that stuff that he constantly talked about in the leading up to the draft and during the draft process but how about this how about you let that big brain super smart kid take controls of the offense let him just operate at the line of scrimmage allow him to go up-tempo, allow him to pick and choose what he wants to do from his perspective because one of the problems that they have, and it sounded great when they got hired, and I fell victim to this too, where you're thinking, okay, there's so many former pro quarterbacks in that room, so many guys that work with quarterbacks in that room, Frank Wright, Josh McCown, you also have Jim Caldwell. This is going to be great for a young quarterback to step into. Man, it could be too many cooks in the kitchen, right? So I feel like for him, let him, because he's out there on the field, let him you know, lead from the front, call plays the line of scrimmage, operate up-tempo, because you saw him have success against the Bears when they went to that two-minute 
uh, offense in the back end of that game where he tried to get the game-winning points and get the game-time points with the field goal. Things started to happen quickly. He started to get rid of football quickly. His process uh, was able to quicken up. And all of this needs to happen because Dallas will get after him. We talked about – we joked last week on Thursday in studio, Katie, about how it was homecoming for the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, this is a this is like a week zero opponent for yeah. a Power 5 program. They, they can go into to this ball game and drum Carolina. So yeah. in order to have a shot, if you're the Panthers, let Bryce Young take control of the offense and call plays himself. This is not a team that this that is afraid to run up the score, too. So I, I would lay this – Ten and a half. I feel like this could change as well. Props. What are you thinking on the prop side? Yeah, if, if you guys recall at the beginning of the season when we were talking about futures, one guy I really love coming into the year, C.D. Lamb. I thought he had a real shot uh, to not only potentially lead the league in receiving yards, but really make that jump into that elite tier when we look at you know guys like Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson. After a slow start to the season, he has come on like absolute gangbusters. Four straight hundred yard games. Three straight games with double-digit receptions and 150-plus receiving yards. Through nine games, he is 25 yards shy of 1,000 yards. So C.D. Lamb is absolutely balling right now on pace for a historically great season. I have been super impressed. I think he's taken that next step into that elite class of wide receivers. And, yeah, just he is looking great. Let me ask you guys this proppy from a prop perspective and um, Emery from a running back perspective, what's going on with Tony Pollard, two rushing touchdowns in the first week against the giants and then zero every week since. Ah, it's been tough. And it's been managers beside themselves. Yeah, especially when you see a guy like Rico Dottle come in and be equally as effective, albeit on a smaller workload, uh, than Tony Pollard. But he's been, frankly, the least efficient starting running back in the NFL this season. It's inexcusable, too, when you look at an offense like Dallas, who has the receiving options that they do. It's not like he's facing, you know, stack boxes every week either. So I don't know if he's playing with an injury. Uh, this was not the same player we saw last year, though, who was one of the more explosive running backs in football. I still think he can salvage his season. But, uh, yeah, I don't really think there's a clear answer as to why. I'm curious what Emery thinks. Uh, listen. I remember we talked about the smooth brain scholars and the smart dummies. We got to stop letting folks, you know, lead this running back conversation because it's coming from a lot of fantasy managers and it's coming from a lot of, a lot of the people that think you shouldn't pay running backs. They were all about Tony Pollard. Oh, he's great. He does this realizing he's doing that with fresh legs because Zeke is doing a great job of setting the table It's great to come and eat when the table's already set. You don't have to do no work. All the work is done. So we're going to all experience that on Thanksgiving. As long as we're not cooking the food, it's great to come in there, easy to come in there, sit down and eat. So this is what happens when you have guys that are not used to being a bell cow. And if you just did a little bit of digging, you don't even have to go deep. You could just kind of wipe the dust off and you would have found that at Memphis, there's like nine backs that split carries at Memphis. No one of them was a lead guy, which made all of them have success. Pollard had success because of Zeke. Pollard probably would have had success if Dottle was the, the guy to lead off or if they had a guy that can set the table or set the pace for the run game. But when he has to be the lead guy, that's not his game. There's a reason why Zeke was still in there, 
even though he's not the same Zeke he was as a rookie. But folks love to get online, love to listen to people with the blue check, love to listen to those with the people, you know, people that have FF after their Twitter handle with fantasy football. They love to listen to people that with the analytics say, hey, you can just not run the ball, throw the ball 75 times a game and you can still win. But they all say when you get to the fourth, the final four in the playoffs, it's all teams that can run the football. Forget all that, all that stuff, right? Trust in those that actually are telling you what to do. This is why Pollard is not having as much success as he had last year. Do you think he will find success this no. season? No. No. All right. So fantasy managers, you might want to get rid of him. You might want to offload him and uh, clear up some uh, some space for that. Guys, we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we will talk more early leans for week 11 um, of the NFL season. Also, stick around because we will have our anticipation plays coming up next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Pick 6 Podcast. Mox, Hunt, and Selznick here. And it is time for our um, weekly segment that we give you an early lock or a lean before the line moves to get you some closing value. We also do you one better and try to predict where that line is going to close at. It's time for Anticipation Plays. This Anticipation Plays segment is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. If we take a look at last week's, um, Alex had the Ravens at five and a half. He said it was going to close closer to six and a half. Where did that end up closing? Six and a half. Six and a half on the money. I had the Bears and Panthers under 40, said it was going to close at 38, and it closed at 38 and still hit the under. So that's two for two. Emery, Broncos, seven and a half, four and a half. Where'd that close? It's closed at, I think, seven right now. Okay. All right, so, so that's where that happened. Um, and then Brinson had the Cardinals at plus one and a half, said it would go to minus one. I'm not sure where that one um, ended. But let's talk anticipation plays for today. Where are you taking us, Emery? Listen, the Eagles are plus three, and because they listened to the Pick 6 podcast, they probably gave them three points because they're at home. Um, the Chiefs are at home. Uh, but I think by the time we get to game time and people start focusing on the matchup, it will be a pick em. Because these two teams are very much so evenly matched when you based on matchups. Eagles offense versus this, this Chiefs defense. The Chiefs offense still find ways to be successful despite not having the dynamic playmakers across the board. But they should find some success against the back seven of Philadelphia. So it's going to be a strength versus strength battle. I think it closes at a pick em. Closes at a pick em. Selznick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to take a shot on the Vikings here. Just been so impressed with Josh Jobs uh, getting two points against the Broncos. Seems like a spot I think this should ultimately close as a pick em. Obviously, we don't know. Uh, I think a bit of that will hinge tonight on how Denver looks against Buffalo. But, yeah, I just think if we look at the strengths – of this uh, Minnesota team, how well the defense is playing. We've seen Denver recently really kind of lean heavily on the run game. I've been very impressed with Minnesota's run defense, uh, and just Josh Dobbs is playing very well right now. They're playing inspired football. I think Minnesota is going to continue uh, to inspire a lot of betters as well. I think this, again, ultimately closes at plus one or a pick'em. 
All right. So you guys are picking two close games um, that you think will be more like I'm picking, I'm picking a higher one. Give me the Niners uh, minus 10 and a half. It opened at 10 quickly raised up to 10 and a half. Uh, The way that this 49ers defense is playing uh, the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield are going to be in trouble. I think that this line closes somewhere near 12 and a half. Again, we, we didn't, I mean, we did think we we joked about the Cowboys going from 15 to 17, but we do know that these these lines can move. So I definitely think that the 49ers is one to get on now because it is already on the move. This anticipation play segment has been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Moving on, let's talk Cardinals at Texans. Texans laying four and a half. This total 47 and a half. It is the battle of the fun and frisky teams. C.J. Stroud versus the Bengals. I mean, come on now. 356 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And Kyler Murray, how about that two-minute drill at the end of the game for Kyler Murray? An 11-play, 70-yard drive to beat Atlanta. I will still lay these points with the Texans, although could be a little bit of a letdown spot, right? Because we've been climbing, climbing, climbing with these Texans. They could just slip up a little bit. Emery, what do you think? Right. What was most impressive to me last or uh, yesterday with Kyler Murray was how quickly he trusted his knee out there moving yeah. around. So yeah. he looked like Kyler Murray, you know, like he did before where he was out there scrambling, buying time, and that helped him out on that last series where he has room to get better in this game. Second game back starting, the timing is going to be a little bit more crisp with the receivers in terms of the deep ball. We saw him miss a few deep balls, although I thought Marquise Brown did a great job showing effort, laying out for one of those in the end zone. I feel like with a second game, with each you know subsequent game, he's going to have the time and get down to where it needs to be, and I think that's going to happen for them in this one. I see this one. I'm taking the Cardinals plus the points mm-hmm. here because four and a half seems like a lot. I do think that over is a little bit spicy. Mm, it is. I would stay away from it. But I think we get a very close game, a field goal game more so than four and a half. I, I would just like to point out that C.J. Stroud leads the NFL in passing yards per game as a rookie on the Texans with his top players being Bill Collins, who I absolutely love, but had never had a 600-yard receiving campaign in his career, with Noah Brown, who's averaged 17 receiving yards per game over the course of his career, and a five foot nine, 165-pound <laughs> rookie in Tank Dell uh, and Dalton Schultz. So just unbelievable from C.J. Stroud. I do not feel like this guy is getting enough credit for what he has done on the Houston Texans. It's just phenomenal. Well, stars, uh, let me ask you, should he be in the conversation for MVP? Because that's what I'm hearing right now. I absolutely think if the voting were to take place today, he should certainly be a top five to seven candidate. I'm not going to say he should be number one, but absolutely. He has been that good. Uh, I think it'll be hard to sustain this level of production as the season goes on, but he's absolutely surprised me uh, and just been phenomenal. So I'm not going to doubt him. Uh, He's just been incredible. Uh, I also need to give credit to Devin Singletary went for over a buck 50 yesterday. Uh, Not a lot of people had a lot of faith in this Texans backfield, which has really struggled too. One thing the Texans did fairly well last year, I know we have a new coaching staff, uh, but they ran the football pretty effectively last year. This has not been the case this year. So just all the more credit to CJ Stroud, who just continues to look absolutely phenomenal. And you love Trey McBride. I mean, that's, that's, I I love Trey McBride. Yeah. There's someone to keep an eye on. I definitely think from a fantasy standpoint, from a props standpoint, he's going to continue to produce at a very high level. I agree with Emery. Kyler looked very spry. I was impressed 
uh, with how he was mobile. He ran around, didn't look a guy look like a guy who's coming off of a very quick turnaround from an injury and making his first start this season. Uh, yeah, he, he looked good. Okay, let's move on to another big matchup in the AFC North Steelers at Browns. Browns laying four here. This total 38 and a half. Look, headline was five and a half. So a little bit of line movement there. These teams have the same record at six and three, but one of these things is not like the other. Okay. I don't know how the Steelers have this record, um, but here we are. And the Browns. You know, they look like they didn't stand a chance against Baltimore in that first quarter. And then, of course, things changed after that. Uh, the Browns Pro Bowl cornerback Denzel Ward was ruled out of the game with a neck injury. Steelers are going to be without Quan Alexander. Unfortunately, he tore his Achilles and then Keanu Neal um, suffered a rib injury and Deontay Johnson with a thumb. But he ended up coming back in the game. What are you thinking about this one, Emery? The Steelers are the epitome of the, they can't keep getting away with this meme, right? They yeah. can't. So, like and Mike you, Tomlin sold his soul to the underworld or something, and he's just like, get, he it's the like he can't have a guy on the sideline. You never see him flip out on the sideline because he knows everything is under control, right? Yeah. And here's the thing. If we go back and look at that first game, if we're being completely honest about the first time they met on the field, listen, this is that, that was a wacky game. The refs were standing right there watching Deshaun Watson, guys throwing two hands in his face mask, pulling his face mask from the front, don't call the flag, and things, crazy things were happening. You had a pick six on the first play of the game. You had that in this one against Baltimore. The Steelers are about to get drummed in this game. Drum. Made the points with the Browns. You and Drum. Number one defense. And they were, and again, even in the first game, the Browns had chance to come back in that ball game and, and, and really still had a chance to win i think they get it done here because they realize what's at stake everyone right now is in the playoffs mm -hmm. you know and, and so you got to keep winning and i think they just overall have the better quarterback their defense is number one yes it will be a tough matchup for deshaun watson and that offensive line that's kind of banged up with no nick chubb we saw nick chubb go out in that first game yeah but i feel like deshaun watson Show some some toughness. Show that Houston Texans toughness that he had early in his career. I think we'll see that again. And at some point, the Steelers have to be honest with themselves and understand their quarterback is holding them back. I think the Browns get the I win think here. Ladies they are now. honest with themselves internally. I think they're aware <laughs> that Kenny Pickett maybe there was um, in the pick six. Group chat, I believe it was Ryan Wilson said that he has now convinced himself that Josh Dobbs is actually the best quarterback that the Steelers have drafted since, I don't know, <laughs> Big Ben or something. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree. And, and, and Josh Dobbs, we'll talk about Josh Dobbs, but I would agree. I would agree. Profit, anything on this one? Uh, I have a stat for you guys, and you guys might be aware of this, but it blew my mind, and I just double-checked, and it's, 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 uh, it's ongoing right now. The Steelers, despite being six and three, have been outgained in every single game this year. Yeah. I mean, it looks it's like unbelievable. It. I don't understand how they have this record. But again, I don't know what Mike Tomlin has major, done. Major, yeah. major regression credit, candidate. To to their credit, in that first quarter, they were blowing Green Bay off the ball up front. That offensive line was straight moving defensive linemen to linebackers, linebackers to safeties and safeties to security guarding back into the goal line. They were blowing everybody off the ball. So if that effort can continue against Cleveland, we should be in for a really good game. 
Okay, let's move on to this one. I don't think we got to spend a time. Oh, here we go. Best record through nine games. Okay, yep, there it is. Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just, it's crazy. Pittsburgh six and three, Washington four and five, and the Colts three and six. Other 19 teams to get outgained in each of the first nine games had two or fewer wins. Uh, Talking about a team with two or fewer wins, this Giants team taking on the Commanders. Uh, Commanders are nine and a half point favorites. This total 36 and a half. I just don't even know if the Giants are worth talking about at this point. Tommy DeVito has no business being a quarterback in the NFL. Now, they don't have any other choices, but I'll go ahead and take these points of the commanders. Anything from you, Emery? Nah, if you're the Giants, hey, man, you're sitting right now at number two in the, in the NFL draft. There's This is a really good quarterback class, in my opinion, which is the only opinion that should matter when we're talking about breaking down quarterbacks. Yeah, footballgameplan.com. Yeah, slash 2024 draft guy. <laughs> so, uh, I will say this game, Washington match Giants matchup well defensively. This game's always tight, so mm-hmm. it would scare me. I would stay away from it. I, I would only put Washington in a parlay as a money line play as opposed to a point spread play, even though I know the Giants will struggle scoring touchdowns. Prop stars, you like Sam Howell. Uh, I do like Sam Howell. He's really been slinging the football. He's really uh, This is the highest volume passing team in the NFL this year. I don't think people realize that, especially when we're talking about the commanders in previous years, one of the more run-heavy teams. But, yeah, Sam Howell uh, is throwing the ball 40-plus times per game, really spreading the ball out, too. Obviously, we know Terry McLaurin uh, being sort of their de facto number one wide receiver. But if you look at uh, – Who's catching passes? I think they have as many receivers with 10-plus receptions uh, or players as any team in the NFL this year. So I know it's been a bit of a rocky up-and-down road with Sam Howell, but I've continued to be impressed by him considering his experience level. And, yeah, Washington's pretty game. Um, pretty much every game they're in, they're competitive. And the Giants are not. We are going to take a quick break here. More early leans for Week 11 when we come back. In the NFC North, the Bears at the Lions. This is a 10.5 point line now. This total 46.5. Let's see if it has stayed there. No, it's gone It's gone from 8.5 to 9.5 now, 10.5 uh, to 10. So the Lions look really good. They are 7-2. and two. They're sitting atop the NFC North, um, currently positioned as the number two seed in the NFC. The Bears in last place of the division. Chicago has been playing without a few of their starters, most notably Justin Fields, also Khalil Herbert, and Tremaine Edmonds. Um, all three of those could return this week. What are you thinking, Emery? Justin Fields holds the key to this Bears uh, point spread yeah. because if he plays, the over is in play. Take the Bears plus the points because you can throw vertical against the uh, about to say the Chargers, but the Chargers do vertical. But you can throw vertical against this Lions defense in the secondary, and I think that's the key because if it's Tyson Bajant, you know everything will come out short and go underneath, and they'll just rally up, make a tackle, get off the field. Justin Fields also opens up their run game, and when you think about Deonta Foreman, who does a fantastic job since came since he's come back into the lineup. Fields can open that up, and it could make this a back-and-forth game. We saw them have uh, some good games last year where Fields was, I think he had 100 yards rushing last time he played uh, the Detroit Lions in Detroit. So for me, it's it's about whether or not Fields is going to play. And I think you have to wait until we get that confirmation to play anything on this ballgame. Is, is this an anticipation play? Are you anticipating that Fields is back, so maybe you grab this right now? If you think he's going to play, grab it now. Well, right, because you just talked about how the line moved from 10 and a half 
to 10 and mm-hmm. during the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you might want to grab double digits because I feel like the Bears, because it's a divisional game, you tend to match up well with your in-division opponents. Um, if Fields plays, this game, will, this line will drop significantly. Props, talk to me about Jameer Gibbs because we've 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 talked about it on this show week after week and how he's being utilized and and people unhappy with it. I felt like finally Montgomery and Gibbs were like a tandem and they both balled out. Absolutely, Katie. Yeah, very frustrating usage early on in the season. I really think it was just a matter of Gibbs getting comfortable learning the nuances of the position in comparison to a veteran and David Montgomery really hitting his stride. Uh, and just a kind of understanding of what to expect from this Detroit with the run blocking line, with their schematics. I think there was just a, a difference there. But I think at this point, it's fair to say that Jumir Gibbs is up to speed, uh, both literally and figuratively. The guy's absolutely dynamic. Uh, having the bye week to prepare, getting Monty back healthy. It was very nice to see Gibbs out touch Monty. Obviously, Monty had a huge game as well. Both of them broke off huge plays. But yeah, just the fact that Gibbs uh, received 14 carries. Uh, Montgomery with 12 carries. I expect that to continue. I think both backs should continue to be heavily involved. And this Detroit offense is going to be very tough to start stop with both these guys producing at this level. Emory, we can't talk about running backs and not get your input. I love it. it. You keep giving guys carries that are explosive. We don't need many carries for Jameer Gibbs, although you kind of want to because he's that explosive. But what you saw from Montgomery, who looked impressive as hell on that long run, where it required some vision, some elusiveness, and some speed, he showcased it out on that long breakaway run. And that's when I kind of knew Detroit was going to win that ball game because you don't usually get that from David Montgomery. Agree. Moving on to my favorite game of the week, the Buccaneers at the 49ers. Niners laying 10 and a half at home. This total 41 um, and a half. It was 42, so it's already starting to tick down, and, and rightfully so. And the reason why I like the 49ers in this spot is the defense. And honestly, shout out to Steve Wilkes, right? Took a lot of criticism, had a rough three games, and uh, he made the adjustments that need to be made. Obviously, Chase Young with Nick Bosa is is made a huge difference as far as the pressure that they created up front. It was great to see both of them um, get in on a sack. Five sacks, five sacks, two picks from the 49ers this last week. Baker Mayfield, again, like has a penchant to turn the ball over here and there. I just think this game's going to get ugly. I like the 49ers in this spot based on the defense alone. Emery, what do you think? It's funny how everybody was like, oh, uh, Wilkes made adjustments. Or did they just get a b- better players? Like, they got they got a or, great or boost. On the sideline, though, and honestly, as a 49ers fan, you love to see it because we're used to Robert Sala, where he had to be, like, held back on the sideline. And D'Amico Ryan's down there, too. And it just – I think that this is a defense that thrives off of energy. And I, I do. I think it makes a difference that he was down there. That's just his personality. He's not a rah-rah guy like mm-hmm. Robert Sala or D'Amico Ryan. Okay. I wouldn't expect him to be. He's more Bill Withers than anything. But I look at what this defensive line did against a mobile quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They yeah. may get eight to nine sacks in this game against Baker Mayfield. Legitimately eight God's ears. nine sacks because Mayfield holds the ball a little bit too long, tends to run himself into pressures, and also tends to think he's a little bit more mobile than he is. Eight to nine sacks for San Francisco. If you have them in fantasy, you should, and you should be starting them every week, but definitely make sure you start them this week. Oh, this week. Yeah. Oh, this week. Yep. Prop stars, anything you're looking at for this game? Christian McCaffrey, of course, did not get the 18 game um, in a row, but he's he's 
I wonder if that will help his odds for getting a touchdown. I'll be curious to see what his anytime looks like uh, for the next game. It'll be heavily, heavily juiced in the next game. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting, Katie. I, I thought of you actually when he was getting touches in the fourth quarter when they were up by 30 plus points. I yeah. was a little bit playing with fire there, in my opinion, when we're talking yeah. about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, an impressive performance by the 49ers, you know, coming out with the response like that against a good Jacksonville team as well. Uh, I was very encouraged. I think they're going to continue to roll against a Bucks team, in my opinion. That's overrated despite having, you know, played fairly well this year. I look for San Francisco to dominate them similar to what they did. Maybe not with the same point discrepancy. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're going to roll against uh, this Bucks team next week or this week. Okay. For a team that's not rolling very much, the Jets are taking on the Bills. Bills laying seven. The Bills play tonight, uh, Monday night, against the Broncos. So we may see some movement in this line, prop stars, um, you're high on Dalton Kincaid, which I'm happy about because he's on my fantasy team. I am high on Dalton Kincaid. I'm really high on how they're deploying Dalton Kincaid, lining him up all over the place. They're really utilizing him uh, similar to a wide receiver, and we're seeing Josh Allen really lock onto him as well. I think this is what they envisioned when they spent a first-round draft pick on Dalton Kincaid. You typically don't see tight ends come in and have a lot of production early on in their career. But again, they're utilizing him closer to like a big slot wide receiver than they are a tight end. Uh, and I've also been impressed with Khalil Shakir as well. They found a third receiver uh, to complement the offense there as well. They were using a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends with Dawson Knox early in the year when Dawson Knox went on injured reserve. Uh, that opened up some opportunities for Khalil Shakir, who was really impressed. And I think, uh, yeah, this offense is going to continue to improve having additional weapons for Josh Allen. Anything from you, Emery? I know you don't have any big input here, but any reason to back the Jets in this spot? No, nah, I know Jets fans and, you know, Jets, some Jets bloggers will probably say, well, they beat the Bills in week one. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was week one. Aaron Rodgers came out with the American flag. Benson and Stabler was there on the sideline. Method Man was there. It, it, everybody's going to Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo's going to you know, smoke yeah. New York up there this time around. So, ladies. Peace. Okay, moving on to the Seahawks laying one and a half at the Rams. Rams coming off a bye. Uh, this is always an interesting, you know, NFC West kind of matchup here. I know that you're both pretty high on the Seahawks. So, I'll start with you, Emery. Is this a game that you would lay this one and a half? Time out. And Queen Latifah sang the national anthem <laughs> oh, right. in New York yeah. in the rain. Yeah. Like there was no on way. 9 11. Yeah. There's no way Buffalo was put in that game. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Buffalo's going to smoke the Jets in the dark. <laughs> Back to this game here. Um, the Seahawks do a fantastic job of keeping both teams in it. Like yeah. there was no reason why. Um, I didn't understand the six and a half point spread against Washington. This one worries me because of Sean McVay and how he's able to scheme things up. Who is going to start at quarterback for the Rams? You know, that's a big question. Yep. Is it going to be Matthew Stafford? Will we see Carson Wentz? Will it matter? Will the run game start to pop more for the, the Rams? So I made leans. Well, what's going on with Stenson Bennett? Do we, does anybody hurt. even know? He's, he's, on, he, he's, on, he's on IR. Okay. Uh, and he also has some issues. Uh, some personal that. issues where they took right. him off the roster, but then we, no one's ever heard from him again, I feel like. Bingo. So there's a mm -hmm. lot going on there. Um, but Seattle should win this game. And while it's right now at one and a half, 
I will jump on that because if okay. it gets even higher, I trust McVeigh if it, the point spread gets to three, three and above. Mm-hmm. Prop stars, anything you're looking at? Yeah, I believe Kieran Williams, if I'm not mistaken, is eligible to return from injured reserve this week. So that would be a big boost for the Rams offense. He was obviously highly productive prior to going down. I saw the offense crater a bit. I know obviously some have some of that had to do with Matt Stafford and his injury, but I definitely think obviously that would help uh, in this matchup. As far as Seattle's offense is concerned, it's nice to see Jackson Smith and Njigba really start to get more and more involved on Seattle's offense. You know, that's a great trio of three wide receivers and having just three explosive options uh, should make things easier and easier for Seattle. But I agree with Emery. Seattle does tend to keep their opponents in the game when they uh, are often dominating them from a yardage standpoint or just even just watching with the eye test. Last but not least, Vikings at Broncos. Broncos laying one and a half. This total 42 and a half. Broncos, of course, playing tonight. So we may see some line movement here. Josh Dobbs, 312 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings win. Dobbs actually became the first player in NFL history to amass 400 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and no interceptions in his first two games with the team. That's according to ESPN stats and information. I'm just rooting for Josh Dobbs from here on out. Like, I'm not a Vikings fan. I don't really care. I'm rooting for him. I'll go ahead and take this one and a half points with the Vikings. They're just, they're too much fun to watch right now. What do you think, Emery? Yeah, Josh Dobbs is your MVP in the NFL right now. If you could, you could probably put him ahead in your Heisman rankings too. He's just <laughs> been great. He's America's quarterback now. He is <laughs> fully firmly planted as America's quarterback. And the reason why he's having so much success, and I feel like every young quarterback needs this, is that he's playing with house money. He is playing free. There's no expectations. You saw him do this with the Titans in that must-win game last year in which he nearly beat um, Jacksonville to get the Titans into the playoffs. We saw him do this against the Cowboys and early in that Giants game when he was with the Cardinals, and we saw him do it recently with the Vikings when he first got there and also last week. So he is playing free. He is playing uh, with house money, so to speak. He is yeah. playing because they actually believe that, hey, man, this guy can go out there and play. And he doesn't have the the any expectations of being, oh, I was drafted here, number one. Yeah. I have to be this franchise guy. And that allows everything to work offensively. However, oh. under here is in play because, uh-huh. as I've said the last three weeks, this Broncos defense has been getting better. better. Arthur Wilson has put up similar statistics as – Patrick Mahomes, the Broncos are better. This game will be a lot tighter than people think. And shout out to uh, Sean Chandler, who got a great game. He had a great game yesterday for the Vikings, partly due to what people have to worry about with Josh Dobbs is his athleticism. So fun team to watch. This will be a very entertaining game, by the way. I think it will be too. And, and to your point, the defense has gotten better. But prop stars, Javante Williams has been pretty impressive in his return, hasn't he? Very impressive, Katie. I often am looking at uh, the futures markets, the awards, and while it's very unlikely a running back is going to win comeback player of the year, I have been incredibly impressed. This guy, less than 12 months ago, uh, had a multi-ligament knee injury and is back producing at this level. That is something you just do not see very often at all. So Javante looks better and better every single week, uh, really coming off of Big, big workloads there. Now had the bye. I think he's in line for a big game tonight. And, uh, yeah, I've just been very impressed. He definitely deserves 
uh, some potential votes for comeback player of the year as well, in my opinion. I agree. And look, Sean Payton started off pretty slow. But to your point, Emery, this Broncos team over the last couple of weeks is starting to finally get it together. And I think that has to do with uh, having a coach like Sean Payton. Fellas, uh, this was fun. Thanks for joining us today. That is going to do it for our show. Thank you for listening in. Make sure you join us all week for more NFL coverage tomorrow. Will Brinson is back. He's joined by Breach and Wilson and also Pete Prisco to break down his weekly power rankings on CBSSports.com. One last reminder to show us some love and hit that like button. Hit subscribe on our YouTube page if you're listening to the audio version only. Do us a favor. Download, follow, and leave a five-star review. Tell your friends to listen watch the pod. We'll see you next time.